0: united states it's a worldwide phenomenon that ufo podcast is powered by zencaster zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts the open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell features include hd video recording studio quality sound chat and footnotes all running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. Yes, I'm still alive. My name is Andy and I've got
1: Dan joining me for a breakdown. We have got some breaking news. Dan, how are we doing? I am. uh, I'm great. I was at Almost tempted to introduce the podcast over you then and pretend that I'd gotten used to it. How are you, man? It's been a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I am all right. I am far from a hundred percent. We've been catching up beforehand here, which is which has been good. Um, thank you to everyone who's got in touch on different mediums and social medias and emails and all that kind of stuff. It's it's been really nice hearing from people. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. I had COVID for, for those who didn't see. I had, I still have. Um, I'm over the worst of it. I'd say that much. Uh, my wife tested positive today as we record this. So she is devastated given it's got a couple of weeks before Christmas. We had a lot of stuff planned. And again, it knocks all that for a loop. So so yeah but i mean after today my isolation period is up as well and i'm just getting back to fighting fit so um, having not recorded for what seems like an eternity when it's not actually that long uh, i wanted to just a week yes do uh, do you know what it's been a week and uh, here's the story folks um as we record this it's the 8th 8th of december okay and it won't be too long a podcast because like i say i think i've got so long of energy and then i'll be crashing but on um on the Monday, the 29th of November, I wasn't feeling great, but I was I was all right. I was still working and stuff. And um, as the week went on, I just started feeling generally a little bit worse. And then on Tuesday, the 30th of November, we were on with Vinny from Disclosure Team, and I coughed once or twice on that podcast, but not not bad. Like, you guys joked about me expertly muting the You the did, cough.
1: yeah. Perfect
0: timing. <laughs> yeah, so no one would have heard it. Um, and right at the very end, I As soon as we finished, I had a massive coughing fit to the point Dan and Vinny were asking, was I okay? My eyes were watering and and everything. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of a, a bit of a cold. And then the next day, or sorry, on the Thursday actually, it was Thursday lunchtime. I I took a test; it was positive, and kind of went downhill quite quick from there. To be honest, so uh, back to a point, I think uh, I, I want to discuss some of the news because I've been I've been keeping an eye on social media, far from anywhere near as active as I normally am, and I'm sure that'll get back to that maybe next week by the the time I'm back to to being fighting fit. But, uh, yeah, there was there was some breaking news, Dan, and a few other things I wanted to try and discuss and, and get one of these out there just to kind of to do a bit of chatting again on, on the news because there has been some interesting news, hasn't there? There has, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there has. <laughs> um, so, listen, uh, Dan, first thing, I wanted to do this last week, actually. Uh, we were chatting privately, weren't we, and the, the Gillibrand amendment. And it, it's probably the case that when we're saying the, the Gillibrand amendment, we're getting that wrong and using that wrong, aren't we? Because there are several Gillibrand amendments.
1: And yeah, exactly. Attached to the NDAA, uh, there are over a thousand amendments. Um, So when we're talking to senators and stuff like that, we should be specific. But the trouble with that is that these bill numbers are always changing. Uh, So uh, Doug Dean Johnson uh, suggested that we all use the Gillibrand, Rubio, Gallego. Gallego, I, I think it's Gallego. Um, so yeah, that we use those three names to define it. So the GRG amendment, we'll say.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: And it's trying to get something that people are aware of immediately. Obviously, if you're on
0: social media talking about the Gillibrand amendment, it's more than likely going to be with the, the UFO, UAP stuff. But there are quite a few serious amendments in there. And it was brought up as as some of the listeners and other folks online had mentioned this to various politicians and senators over in the States. And they were talking about the the Gillibrand amendment but they they could have been referencing some other stuff one of them's quite a serious I believe like sexual assault amendment isn't it and again that's that's really serious and that's going to have a big part in that bill but in this huge bill there's loads of stuff lumped in there our interest is obviously the the UFO aspect of it as well so just for anyone who's seen any debate or discussion online about that it's worth pointing out there are several Gillibrand amendments, and uh, the one we're interested in, of course, is the the UFO stuff. But there's some very worthy ones in there, of course, like I've just just mentioned. So, but politically, that's that's our kind of focus. So Dan, what was the update? Because as we've got, we've got this amendment, we've got this bill, which is a Defence Act bill, where loads of different things are lumped in for funding, discussion, being brought to law, all that sort of stuff, um, being put on the table for the first time. People, things being put on the table for, for you know, multiple times, trying to get them through because of the the new, um, new. What would you call it? Uh, I'm taking a COVID moment here. The People who got in the new regime, not regime. Biden, Kamala Harris. What are they called?
1: The new administration.
0: That's the one. There we go. (laughs) I'm leaving that in, folks. Apologies that this bit of brain fog. Yeah. So the new administration. So things that maybe never got through before could potentially be tabled and all that kind of stuff. Okay. We're we're not experts on this, but that's that's the deal with these bills. As part of that, we were very excited to see that uh, there was a a bit for us on UFOs, on UAPs, and there was some tasty language in there that we were excited about, and it's been going through the motions. There's been some chat online where people have have jumped the gun a little bit, and this is something I've had explained to me, where folks are saying, oh, today's the day it's all going to get passed, and it's not really... Likely to happen like that, Dan. Was it that it was just all of a sudden we were going to wake up and everything had passed and it was all there? There's still a lot of work to do and there's still processes and
1: steps for this to go through. Is that right? Yeah, 100. Um, the the usual thing. You you know, I I like my train track analogies for this. That basically one train track got to the point that it was awaiting review, uh, to go to the president, whereas the other train track kind of stalled at a station. Um, and someone at the station complained that it didn't have certain luggage. So they had to approve something that that person did like and send it back through Congress for it to come through again. What we've seen today is that Bill S-1605, which is the NDAA, be approved by the House or Congress uh, 363 to 70. Um, And now that will go back to the Senate, but it's kind of pre-approved. There might be a few small changes, but we're not going to see any massive changes there. After that point, that's when it goes to to Biden to sign. Um, if you remember the point where you know the media reported that the COVID bill contains UAP language and it's getting signed, that's kind of almost where we're at now. Um, we're just waiting for that, that moment to come. Um, would you like me to tell you what's in the bill? Right. Just before that, <laughs> let, let's clear up because, again, having been... Have had the
0: downtime I've had now for kind of just just about a week. We had the A O I M S G. Oh, that's right. How is that affected with
1: this now progressing as it is? So, in a nutshell, it's not. You know, at the moment, that's a that's a separate office that was announced by you know the the DOD there, and when it was announced, everyone thought that the timing was suspect. Uh, that it was kind of, you know, announced to derail. But then there was some argument as well that they were just fulfilling what they'd been asked to do anyway um, in another letter. But that's set up and that's going. That has replaced the UAPTF. So that's what the the DOD's efforts now called. This new bill that's just passed is still calling for a new office. The name Astro is gone from the language, um, as is the committee that interfaces with the public where they were specifying that it would have members from... Uh, Project uh, Galileo and things like that—that mm-hmm. that is gone. But apparently, that was dropped by the actual, you, you know, negotiators um, because they saw some risk in in terms of handling classified materials and th- things like that. Um, so. While that's gone, I would say that the the head of the new organization has been instructed to come up with a science plan, and that science plan could go on to include an executive committee. <laughs> so it's not, while it's not in the language, it's not a huge loss because the the head of the office gets to decide if something like that would be needed going forward. And Dan, I was
0: going to mention, we, we, are, we are in a chat with some people who are, are involved at that sort of level. Um, you can put two and two together. And it was fair to say that we've had people who know what they're talking about in terms of all of what's going on, let's just say that, who are, are telling us that, you know, let's not focus on what's not in it. It's what's what's in there right now is really important. Anything that's been lost, people shouldn't really worry about in that sense that we've we've got something really solid to work on from this,
1: haven't we? Yeah, hundred percent. This is a hell of a solid floor to go from. A lot of things that they couldn't—and I say they—the the the supposed secret keepers or the you know the DoD, the military apparatus that were hiding this Air Force. um, A lot of things that they were keeping secret. There, there was no real law that said they had to give up stuff to do with UFOs. You know, even if we knew they were fibbing, eh, it was their prerogative. They could make it classified if they wanted to. Um, Now, in this language, it's basically saying for everyone to immediately give up their data um and that in every report and we'll be getting a report semi-annually and annually so this is awesome every six months every 12 months um the annual can i
0: just can i just bring up one
1: one of the listeners last night when i was going through twitter i can't remember who
0: it was sorry had mentioned that biannual um would be every two years and i i thought again was it just a covid moment going i thought biannual meant twice a year but then i looked it up and it actually means both so biannual can mean every two years but also twice a year and that I, I was I really had confusing. this moment
1: with the term bi-weekly as well before i was like wait a second i mean clarification yeah it means both it, it's in that same position as the word literally and figuratively in the dictionary now they they mean each other and it's <laughs> yeah but yeah so that
0: was it. so when people see the biannual i mean i think biannual you would almost always think it's twice a year like i think is that fair to say that if you saw something was biannual or biweekly,
1: it would be twice a week or twice a year, not every two weeks, but that, that's the way I would go. They, they do include kind of numbers. They say the first report within 180 days, within 90 days. So I I would say that it means, you know, every six months, every 12 months, we're going to be getting Great. a report. Um, but in those reports, they are asked to basically include or to specify everyone who's not playing ball with them. So, the committees that are holding all of these people to account, and now we're talking the sector, we're talking the DNI, we're talking the Committee on Armed Services, of House of Representatives, the Appropriations Committee, uh, Foreign Affairs, um, the Permanent Select Committee. Basically, if they don't give up this data to these committees, these committees can actually hold them to account, and these committees give them their money. So their budget's going to be messed with, and we all know that these institutions do not like their money being messed with and that that's usually where they start uh you know playing along so we actually have some good levers good shout now on this there there's a mention of
0: international involvement isn't there that's one that i think particularly stands out for myself and yourself and and those of us who aren't ingrained within the united states
1: yeah 100 so uh the, the languages that the reports will include an update on the coordination by the united states with allies and partners on efforts to track understand and address unidentified aerial phenomena so that's going to be real interesting for the uk considering we did the whole condign report thing and made some conclusions that they weren't a threat uh they're gonna to want to know how we decided that um and the uk is notoriously tight-lipped about this stuff uh tim mcmillard even said that it seems like they're trying to stop other places having the conversation. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting when the USA starts talking to the UK about this, and let's not forget there are other allies as well all around the world. This is a worldwide issue, so we we might start hearing from some uh, some countries we haven't heard from before, and start hearing about some historical interactions, maybe because these reports are directed to include events that did not occur within the last 180 days, um, but weren't reported. So this first report could be thick
0: and on the reporting side of things and this is what I like to get cleared up when we're doing these are we going to get that same classified reporting and also declassified reporting where and and I get that the as the public or any public you're never going to get everything declassified especially even if you think that we deserve it as the people and all that kind of stuff it just doesn't happen but are we going to get reports that as the public we can access
1: and see? Yes. Pretty much exactly like we saw with the preliminary report. Um, people who had the clearances, they'd be able to see the unclassified, uh, sorry, the classified annex. But for us, we we will see an unclassified version of that report whenever it comes out, which is just fantastic. So I guess you you know, basically the the yearly ones were looking at a deadline of October thirty-first, so Halloween. Um and then the biannual ones uh, would be halfway in between, basically. Uh, so you can pop those in your calendars if if this uh, gets signed by Biden, I'm hopeful. Uh, but yeah, we, we have some countdowns to keep track of.
0: What, what sort of level of transparency are you expecting, Dan, from this? Like, you know, what happens now? So next year, we get our first reports. What's going to be happening on that day? Is it going to be for you a little bit like when the UAP task force report dropped, where it's going to be the 31st of March and everyone's online, there's a big buzz and the first report drops and everyone can kind of get tore into it, as we say in the UK or in Scotland
1: particularly. But is that what you expect to start happening? Yeah, exactly. Well, well you, you know, there's no... I, I say there's a deadline for these reports. The reports could come before the deadline, uh, but we all know there's a lot of work to be done. Um, so, you know, the the deadline will probably shift as needed. But the the bill basically says that we're getting four yearly reports for uh, half yearly reports um, until twenty twenty six.
0: Where does this put the calls for congressional hearings? because does it now separate the arguments between the people who want to see comeuppance and justice for what's happened over the last 75 years? But as we've seen from many people, that for progress's sake, we probably have to, and we've said this before, and again, I've shared my opinion, my opinion, not opinion, (laughs) I put a G in there, Um, my opinion is that we probably have to let that go right now for progress to be made, and it's worth our while putting our eggs in this basket because we look like we've got some genuine progress. The initial report. So hopefully give us a tone. I would think of what we can expect to see going forward. And we would hope those reports are a little bit tasty. We want to see some, some interesting new cases. We would hopefully like to see some, some maybe photographic evidence, although photos and videos are probably unlikely given the classification levels those would have. But for me, this, this is exciting enough and I'm not being for blood of I suppose what I'm asking Dan is what what good at this point then would calling for congressional hearings have
1: because that's something that I see has quietened down quite a bit online. I, I feel like that's going to come back in the future as, as we're kind of you know we, we essentially have now a bunch of people on our side within the law that can go dig in for the stuff that would lead to those hearings yeah. Um, one one of the kind of Bigger things for me in in here was that UAP is they have directed them to add that to the National Intelligence Priorities Framework. So that directive basically tells the whole IC um, to follow the the directives. Like that's a pretty big deal. Um, they've they've yet to decide what priority UAP will be in there, but the fact that it will be named in that general instruction from you know the administration is is pretty insane. Um, I, I, as you were talking about the reports then and kind of what you expect to be in them, they they actually do specify um, a few things that they want in there. They don't say, you know, photos or that that 23-minute video that we heard Lou talking about. Um, but I'll just run through them real quick because uh, I, I think it's worth it. So we're looking at for the annual ones, all events from the last year, all events outside that one-year period that weren't included, analysis from geospatial, signals, human... And measurement and signature intelligence, which is pretty Chris mellon language, right? Um, number of reports in restricted airspace and analysis. So that one line there is the remit of AOI-MSG. Anything outside of that uh, is way beyond the scope of it. Um, identification of threats, identification of ad- adversary systems in the data, uh, the ally stuff that we already touched on, and... Um, an assessment of the health related effects of uap so that's still in there the biological language which is important update on efforts to capture or exploit uap that's huge <laughs> that's huge um, currently i think it's just susan goff out there with a with a fly net trying to grab them but um you, you know hopefully we'll, we'll hear a bit about those kind of baiting scenarios and stuff like that um the number of incidents involving nuclear assets that ships subs weapons power plant ctc Um, You you know, they're looking at that relationship properly and the the Congress wants to know about it. Um, And then it's the fact that we're getting the classified and unclassified. Um, There will be a group designated as well to be able to address the nuclear stuff. We've heard Lou talk about how hard it is to have that conversation without revealing some, you know, real specific Classified capabilities. Um, so it looks like they're they're going to make a you know a group or pick a department specifically to look into the relationship between UAPs and nukes. Then the semi-annual report, uh, which will be within ninety days of the enactment of this act, this will be the first report that we see, basically. Um, the the it directs them it says the first briefing will include everything from the UAPTF or other office so they covering the butts they with AIMSG um again covers everything in the last 180 days uh plus stuff that was left out this is where they get to specify as well um that certain offices aren't sharing data in this part it says that the the funds authorized for this pretty much are uh, as much as the leader of this office uh, sees fit, which is kind of amazing. Uh, it includes the transmedium language, so it defines that. Um, transmedium objects or devices means objects or devices that are observed to transit between space and the atmosphere, so on and so forth. We're, we're very familiar with those. Um, and then it defines unidentified aerial phenomena as well. So they, they're being real clear what they want to hear about here.
0: Is it fair though we've got to say there are still aspects of this bill and the language of this bill, an amendment that is still aimed at the potential for foreign adversarial drones and just foreign adversarial technology as much as we we attribute a lot of the language to to UFOs spaceships aliens, whatever you want to call it there are aspects of this that are going to go through because of what China or Russia may have. And as much as we've said in the past, and Chris Mellon himself mocked China and their space program when that rocket landed on the road, basically in a rural part of China, um, and saying they're trying to catch up with us, we've then just seen a few weeks ago that China tested successfully a hypersonic missile that flew around the planet, and from what we've seen, the, the US intelligence agencies had no idea they were doing this or had this. So, it's it's in on one hand, yeah, they're a mile behind, but on the other hand, oh, wow, they do actually have some pretty incredible technology. So it's got to be fair that some of these events, even the the 143 that remain unidentified from the initial reports, we could still probably see a good chunk of those may have been something for an adversarial.
1: Yeah. But that's what they
0: say, they all were.
1: I think we're going to see the same kind of decision tree as we saw with the UAPTF and their, their buckets of data. Um, you, you know, they'll go through them all. Stuff that falls into the drone basket will go in there. And, and you're right to point it out as well, because I, I think there's in the community, there's a split. It's drones or it's not. It's UAP or it's not. There's a Venn diagram of those two things. We've got to remember when when these systems are looking out, they're not seeing things like our eyes are seeing things, you know, uh, we're seeing dots on the screen, we're seeing strange signatures, you know, you could you could make a drone with a really weird IR signature, um, you know, it wouldn't give you a bunch of the other observables, but now you understand why we need those observables to be able to separate the drones and the, you know, the prosaic stuff from what we're seeing I, i've said for a long time our uap data is in the anomalous data so is the data for these weird drones it's it's not an either or kind of thing i i think we're, we're seeing some of this and brian bender even and said um that we're, we're seeing it for, for similar reasons because the proliferation of drones is is becoming you know they're super accessible they're super cheap we're, we're going to see some weird things from them we're, we're think- just you know, well, I think
0: it could be a really positive thing, though, because yeah, for sure. e- even, let's just say, let's go back to those 143 cases. One was a balloon, and there was 143 unidentified. Imagine that you could see a list and go, actually, we've, we've caught one of those drones that was over the Russell, the Omaha. It turns out it was a drone, okay, and it was Chinese technology. And they managed to get it and go, wow, it can move hypersonic speeds. It can come in under radar. It can do this. It can do this. And it ticks a lot of boxes of of those observables, even though it's human tech and a drone. One, it's got a lot of questions come up of how have they done this? You know, when did they get this? How can we replicate it? Uh But it may then clear up even half of those other cases. But you're still going to then be left with 70, even stronger, you know, examples of, but it still doesn't explain this and it doesn't explain this, and it doesn't explain this. So again, it would only strengthen for me the fact that a lot of this stuff, yes, might still be foreign adversarial technology, but there's a whole load of it that isn't. And that's the stuff that we still have to look at as being, that's the stuff we want them to go after. This is where we're going to get answers, and this is where our intrigue and interest is. But I still think it would be pretty cool to see one of these drones, if it was Chinese or Russian or American, to do some of these amazing things, because I think that would be spectacular. But it would still beg the question that
1: where's that leap in technology came from? Yeah, we, we'd be talking about, you know, some people are going to roll their eyes at me, but I'm going to say a new science. Um, it's not new. It's based on, you know, the stuff that we know, but it's just the 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 horizons of science. Um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there, pretty much. <laughs> Listen, uh, we're... We've went longer than I expected. There's a couple
0: of things I still want to talk about, and I am strategically using the mute button as Dan speaks, folks, because I am still far from a hundred percent. But listen, there's stuff I definitely wanted to
1: talk about, and I've enjoyed recording again.
0: Um, Dan, I want to move on. Have you got anything to add to that? Sorry, first before we move on.
1: Yeah, just just one or two more things. Um, just some comments from some of the uh the excellent commentators around. Uh, Tim McMillan, Brian Bender, uh, Doug Dean Johnson. Um. Deedean Johnson says that the impression that he gets from the report is, and I'm quoting him here, is that we, the Congress, have concluded that unidentified aerial phenomena, a serious business, and we want you to start treating it as serious business. Get your act together and get a grip on this problem and expect to be held accountable. I think that's a really good read of the paper, short and sweet. Um, he goes on to say that there was a striking degree of quiet consensus that's developed on the issue. You know, we we thought that it might be spoken about when we had that statement from Tim Burgett. But it was no one disagreed with the UAP issue. It, this is bipartisan. It's incredible. Um, he went on to basically talk about the the historic nature of it and kind of said that Congress has never before enacted any statutes that deal explicitly with the U, UAP. Um, this is this really is a historic moment. You, you know if. If this gets signed by Biden, I'm, I'm going to get this framed and pop it on my wall. Uh, when? I meant to ask that before. When can we expect this to be signed? So now the next steps, uh, it's got to go back through the Senate and then it will go on to Biden. So around Christmas? Okay. I, I'd say that would be optimistic, but that's when it was signed last time. Um, but that was an emergency bill for the COVID stuff, so we, we might be looking into January. Um Brian Bender, on kind of the topic of the temperature of staff in the Pentagon and, and how they're responding, he said that he had a conversation last weekend with an official from the Pentagon about as senior as they come. And, and he doesn't name him, but he said that that person said this is an issue that is higher than ever before on the radar and there is little room to obfuscate anymore. So the secret keepers must be quaking a little bit, um, but it looks like they're playing along. Um, Tim actually has an article coming out today from the Washington Examiner, uh, that kind of goes into the biggest reason, uh, that the DOD, the greater U S government haven't been talking about the UAP topic. Um, he thinks it's because of, uh, how it, it exposes how ineffective, um, the government has become because of all the bureaucracy. So I'm looking forward to that article and I think there'll be some nice nuggets in there.
0: awesome good stuff and so we're looking at then as you say end of the year start of next year for things to be signed off i'm sure some of the listeners stateside that are more politically tuned in would, would let us know exact dates potentially and from the back of that then first reports coming around march april yeah that i'd say that's about right birthday present for me for the <laughs> of
1: march potentially maybe a little early for that but yeah once um once it's signed i'll uh I'll I'll put my countdowns in my phone and I'll I'll post uh, a couple of key moments for them
0: as we go. Awesome, but it's it's been good work by a lot of people behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And do you know what? Like I say, you you can argue until the cows come home about the impact of UFO Twitter or someone writing to a politician or calling them or or you know getting involved. One of our listeners got on one of the calls and spoke to the senator themselves, which is great. But at the end of the day, it's it all has come to this point. So. It's
1: not done any damage, which is which has been really good. So well done folks. It's yeah, it's a little bit of progress. Hundred percent. I'd say that anyone in this community gets to look at the world a little bit differently now. They they know that you can change the path of the world and affect chains through just grassroots movements and talking to people and I, I think that's magic personally. It's uh it's a really nice day to remember that.
0: Speaking of very small changes that could change the world, Dan, we're going to talk about the Warp Bubble article. Nice segue. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> I've still got it. i um, missed you, man. That, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Warp Bubble article by the Debrief's head science writer, Christopher Plain. We interviewed Chris a few weeks ago. Great guy. He'll be back on soon. Um, He... He teased at the time, and, and I spoke to him off air as well, that he had an article coming, uh, and it was going to be uh, it's Doctor Harold G White, who is a former NASA employee with a specialism in warp drive technology. Um, now the article claims that he was successful in manifesting a real, genuine warp bubble, something that until now has been the realms of of science fiction, and it still is for many mainstream scientists, very much theoretical technology or theoretical science it seems to be a starting point the article points out that they have i say created and dan i'm talking about this differently to what i expected because before we recorded you mentioned that you have looked into this online and it might not be as as cut and dry or as black and white as the article states. And that would be really interesting to to see it talked about a little bit more. I know Chris Plain is on the Singularity Lab, I believe, in the next couple of days with uh, Michael Mattelouni. Tomorrow.
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I'm sure Chris will give some, some more details and respond to what different communities have been saying, you know
0: well listen that's it i always see and, and i mentioned this to you dan that when we see these articles with a huge big headline like scientists invent time travel and you click on it and it's um, ifl science or it's futurism or whatever you follow for your, your science news um and you it's, it's almost clickbait because you click into it and you find out that scientists haven't invented time travel scientists at cern have found a particle existed for a split nanosecond that showed signatures that could be a sign of something going back in time. And it's like, ah, so it's not really a DeLorean going 88 miles an hour yet. It's it's something that might be akin to time travel from a scientist's point of view. So it can be a bit clickbaity. However, the article by Chris Plain it does state quite clearly that they wanted to point out that they have created a real genuine warp bubble in this lab. However, Dan you you've seen not to say you're saying that's wrong but you've seen some stuff online haven't you that suggests that that might not be 100% correct
1: yeah i'm 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 seeing the word kind of simulation modeling kind of thrown around a lot um and i'm getting the impression that the magic in this is the shape that caused the signatures that we're reading about um because that is kind of like a key to un- unlocking this um we've heard about the term waveguides before, um, and that's the kind of thing the shape would be. Um, in the article, they they say that they would, you know, any potential material that they put in there, like a ship or something like that, um, they would have to, you, you know, three D print it almost on an atomic scale. And I mean, we we've heard about material like that being found from UFO uh, encounters and and crashes and things like that. So there's there's an interesting crossover there. Um, not to say that I'm down on it at all. I just, it's one of these things that there were, there were a lot of things in that article that I kind of had to go, okay, I'm going to go watch a two hour lecture on this phrase now. So I understand yeah. it. Um So I'm kind of working my way through it and I wouldn't want to be definitive. Um, But it, you, you know, it, it reminds me of when, you know, the first car was built in like 1769. It was steam powered, could go like two miles an hour. That If they made a car like that now, we'd be like, cars are rubbish, we don't want them. But that's where that started. Um, it could only be driven for like 15 minutes as well. It was really funny. Um, first computer, 42, weighed like seven, 800 pounds. Um, solved problems with what we're talking like 30 variables. So again, now we have billions of variables in our computers first airplane 1903 um you know we 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 know that that couldn't stay up for a long time but the idea is it proved a concept that could be built on and i think that's what we have here i don't believe for a second it was an accident though you know we're not talking penicillin we're talking someone who's been working in the field of warp drives for so long about oh i accidentally did this and work it sounds to me like he was working on it on the side <laughs> and, and you
0: know what it's still a reason to get excited this is the kind of sciencey aspect of of this potential technology that we love and, and we appreciate. And depending where you sit on the UFO conspiracy scale, you might be screaming just now that we've already got this technology, they can do this, etc., etc. et cetera. But this would be on a, on a public level where this is potentially going to get discovered and discussed. And that's very different to what may or may not be going on behind the scenes at Boeing or, or Lockheed Martin
1: already. Well, I mean, we're talking DARPA here as well. And it's, you know, we barely hear a peep out of, they they mentioned in kind of so many conspiracy theories, because they're very secretive, you know, it's a God in the gaps type thing. But um yeah, th- this work was done at DARPA. So I'm sure if it's gone further now, you, you know, there are some people down in the basement working on the very thing that was just reported on.
0: Yeah, exciting news though and I look forward to hearing Chris play and talk about it a little bit more with Michael Mahoney and Co and folks just to finish up a last little bit of news one that's one of those raises an eyebrow and it's go on but we always end up getting disappointed the Chinese rover u 2 has taken a picture and sent back what looks like an object on the moon obviously now, TV <laughs> it's It looks like a cube-shaped structure. It's pretty pixelated. Even with the zoom, let me just cough and... There we go. Never happened. Nice. Even with the zoom, uh, you can see that there, there's something in the distance. I have seen a few different reports, but it looks like it's at a distance of 80 metres. Um, I've seen people say 80 miles and such, but no, it's 80 metres away, I believe. Um The zoom makes it look like two structures potentially, but again, that could just be an optical illusion. The quality of the camera, um, not to sound pure skeptic here, but that that is just a fact because of what we're looking at and the the quality of the equipment. The the rover itself is going in for a closer look. It will take um, two to three lunar days, which is around 60 to 90 days here. So we're looking at uh, around probably March. Oh, birthday time again. So um, we could be getting a report on UFOs and uh, a really good look at an up-close house on the moon. But I've seen all different types of things. It could be from just optical illusion. Uh, it definitely appears that some things they are, to uh, just some rocks. It could just be that something's been shaped by a an impact of a meteor, an asteroid impact, or it could be something a little more exotic. Dan, where are you sitting on this one?
1: It when when I saw it reported on, it reminded me of um. Did you see the Netflix show uh, Space Force? Yes. Where they you just had the two countries on the moon, and they didn't know that each other was there, and then they were discovering each other. And I I just went when I read the report, I thought how hilarious would it be if America announced that they'd found a structure and they were investigating it, and it was rolling towards them, and actually they'd just been looking at each other the whole time.
0: <laughs> Do you know what? Slightly off topic, but that we, we touched on it at the time. It's such an underrated show. If you tried Space Force and gave up after a few episodes, just go back and watch the full series. It gets quite decent. Yeah, it's a lot um, of fun. <laughs> and there, I think there is a lot to that show that is far more realistic than we could. It's probably terrifying how some of the incompetence that you laugh at is, is
1: probably pretty spot on yeah, in 100%. terms of how things work it it's probably the comedic version of the article that tim's going to bring out today you know
0: yeah potentially yeah um but yeah so it's it's interesting it's one of those slightly left field disclosures we always talk about is it a potential that we just get a picture of something and what if the chinese do come out and say look we found found a structure on the moon there's no there's no one there there's nothing in it there's no readings we can get but this is this has been built and not by us that could be a huge conversation starter. And maybe, well, I I say maybe, I I shouldn't say that. It's just coincidental the timing is going to be around that first UFO, UAP report as well from the US government. But it looks like 2022 has got some interesting things to look at straight
1: off the bat, doesn't it, Dad? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I feel like this is all snowballing and and just different angles keep coming into it. You know, Um, know, we're, we're not just talking when we speak about other forms of intelligent life. We're not just talking about UFOs anymore. We're talking about how we define the life around us that's complex now. You know, a dog's intelligent, cats, squids, you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're realizing we live in this intelligent, living, breathing ecosystem. Um, as we're looking out into the cosmos and finding that, you know, we're part of a larger system again, it, it's, a re- it's a real interesting time
0: absolutely uh, next up folks I have Ross Coulthard on the show we have a ton of listener questions I'll be sticking those in a document for Dan to do a fav- do me a favour and start sifting through we've got loads from last time and we've got loads and loads sent over again this time as well well over a hundred in just the last couple of weeks but given how ill I've been I've just been sticking them in a folder and forgetting about it um, so that will be coming up soon and of course the interviews with Diana Pasilka Mary Rodwell and others have been been rescheduled for for further weeks down the line as well but a lot of content still to come this month we've got a round table that we're in the planning stages of as well that would have been arranged already had I not been ill last week but that'll be one to look forward to and it'll be some some folks speaking about something that's not been been talked about really publicly too much yet is that fair to say Dan yeah I can say that much yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and you'll you'll know who they are as well so I'm looking forward to having that discussion and and, uh, asking a few questions because I'm sure when I put it out there you will all have a lot of questions for them as well that'll be really interesting but um, thanks to everyone who's been patient Uh, I look forward to getting back to recording a more regular schedule probably still a week away from that to be honest but uh, I'm getting there and this has been fun to do but I've probably exhausted all my energy now for the day uh, just in doing this folks so again Dan, thanks for the time
1: Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've missed you, man.
0: Awesome. And um, Dan, oh, don't leave the studio yet, Dan. Oh, wait, no, that's, just on,
1: that's just on KGRA. Dan as that,
0: finishes before the end of the show. But again, thank you very much, folks, and speak to you soon of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, UAP, A, M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
1: It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer. Like a hubcap designed by Jelter. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more. Meditated game of full on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I top of the stairs and there one. Why'd you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz... I jumped back and nearly kissed myself. and then I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything was red. I helped up my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and I think I should scare me and I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me. you your life.